I think the bull probably represents um, the uh, that 11 year span between us and my seeking some kind of validation um, from a masculine figure who is, um, you know, older than me. No, I, I think that was a wonderful breakthrough. Unfortunately, we're out of time for this session. Uh, I think I think it's time to start uh, this episode of the Video Reformation Podcast. Welcome. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. We're the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your guides to practicing effective video for business. We're like the Sir George Martin to your John Paul George and Ringo. Everybody got that one? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Uh, before we jump the Rolling Stones? Uh, yep, the Rolling Stones. Um, uh, Black Crows, actually. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before we <clears> jump <throat> into our topic today, which is bold video for business related oh, predictions Sandra. for 2021. Uh, we have a new sponsor for this episode. Um, uh, while counting we, crows. While, while we did, <laughs> I'm doing my own thing over here, but yeah, no, that's okay. Nobody's paying attention. Yeah. My uh, mic's not even on. I uh, no, in fact, you're completely muted. Um, uh, so um, we had the same sponsor for two episodes because it was basically one episode that we had to break down into a two parter. Mm -hmm. um, just to just for suspense. Sure. Can, yeah. That's why. We wanted to give everyone a little holiday bonus this year, since no one's getting holiday bonuses this year. Um, but our new sponsor, let's see, for this week, um, I think this is a market we've tapped into before and we've had some good success. So um, this is actually a new product, uh, and the product is Placeborix. That's Placeborix, and we'll hear the full spot later on. In the episode, Justin, I know you've you've tried it, um, and you can share your experiences with us after we hear the the full spot for Placebo Ricks. Um, we also have a guest joining us again today, uh, David Olson. David Olson is our content strategist, storyboards uh, content creative, storyboard content creative director, um, and also a. Um, Gemini power a, a Gemini and a power bull statue collector collector mm -hmm. uh, aficionado new, yeah 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 um, David yeah. say hi I think just kind of yeah I think to uh, I said David say keep, hi oh, I want hello guys I think to keep the canon consistent we need to remember we established in the previous episode that I'm actually um, a Tiberius that's right that's so. true. Did anyone else catch me just um, totally? I try not to look at wrap you. around the the spoon handle here uh, no. into my mouth. <laughs> that was a little off putting. <laughs> yeah, for all of us. Thanks for drawing everyone's attention to it. Yep, just wanted to make sure that we all got that. <laughs> should we get should we rewind? Mm -hmm. Get playback on that. Yeah, let's see that again. Maybe from maybe from uh, the B cam here. Um, there it is. That there's the there's. I'm just narrating the replay. As if it's not just happening in post. Slow-mo. Yeah. So let's see, David, you're back today, um, not just because we had you on in the last two-part episode, but because uh, last year you were a part of our coming up with our trends and predictions for 2020. And um, since we all did so well on predicting 20, what was going to happen in 2020, we figured if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So we're happy to have you back. Uh, on the podcast here, we might have to create a third chair for you here in the studio one of these days. Yeah, no, the, this is fine. This works. <laughs> we don't have room for all of his bulls. Yeah, well, you can bring your bulls. Okay. I think. In that case, I think the lag just, makes it even funnier. Yeah. Um, okay, so where are we? Um, yeah, so last year we we discussed uh, trends that we saw going into 2020. We spent the last two episodes reviewing those trends and, and A's pretty much across the board, just mm -hmm. not to, to the extent that we thought would happen. This year, the intent for this episode is actually to double down and go with bold predictions for 2021. So not just like safe trends that we think we already see, but bold predictions for 2021. Um, cause you know, we could all be dead by the end of the year. So why not go big? I've read some years. I don't know that bold is the word I would use for. Not for what I've written. Oh, okay. That was, a, that was a decoy. That was a decoy. <laughs> um, 
All right, so why don't we just kind of go around the table here? Why don't we start with David and let's discuss one of David's bold predictions for 2021 as they relate to video for business. I'm now realizing that when you said bold predictions, you weren't just like commenting on the fact that you put in bold on the outline predictions in bold. So um, I don't know how bold these are. Do you want me to bold uh, them right now? I've got it open. I can bold them. I think that would be helpful. So command B. All right. Your first one is now a bold prediction. Excellent. Thank you. Um, So my first prediction is just the continued rise of user generated content. That's versus influencer marketing. Um, So what is the difference? Um, User generated content is um, is content that is basically coming directly from your customers or your clients Hmm. where they're essentially leaving a review or uh, tagging you on social media and saying like how much they love your product or your service or your business um, versus influencer marketing where you're actually hiring an influencer to essentially who like reflects your, you know, your, you think they reflect your brand, your audience, et cetera. Um, Why are we going to continue to see this? Um, Because we're still going to be coming out of the uh, pandemic marketing approach, which essentially forced people to, you know, seek out. uh, Well, we can't like shoot. Well, we can, but it's more difficult to shoot uh, ads and commercials. So why don't we just go directly to our customers who are already uh, singing our praises on social media and just use that content to our advantage. Um, there's kind of going to be a, you know, a stockpile of that, uh, a continued, the trend is going to kind of extend into 2021. Um, but furthermore, I think that the authenticity from that and the affordability and the effectiveness of people scalability that is just going to yeah. scalability um, you're just going to see more and more of that, whether you like it or not. Um, uh, and you're already seeing that's like, good marketing, right? The, there. More and more of it, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And you're already seeing, I, I see like those ads that are obviously like fake versions of this. You've probably seen some of these. I certainly see them on like program. If you're watching Hulu or something. Um, and you, you see some of these commercials where it's like someone has a, one of those like home chef things. And they're like, it's, it's as if they're just giving their um, spontaneous review on YouTube or something. Many of those I think are just essentially paid ads that they figured out a cheap way to produce, but um, they're intended to look like very organic reviews by users. Um, So Yeah, I think we're just going to continue to see more of that. I think people will start to spot those fake ones. So there's a good chance that we'll see more genuine and authentic ones. And maybe there's some kind of incentive or compensation happening on the back end for people to do that. Um, So, uh, yeah, that's that's what I imagine we'll be seeing a lot more of in 2021. You know, a little over a year ago, Justin, you and I were in San Francisco and we met up with a guy who had a startup uh, called Viral. Viral or viral. V-Y-R-I-L-L. I think it's supposed to be viral. but um, uh, And basically that, at least at the time, was a platform to – it was kind of a marketplace to connect – User-generated. User-generated content with brands. So it's a way for brands to – basically what it did was it scrubbed YouTube. And it looked for genuine user videos, you know, start with the low-hanging fruit, a makeup tutorial. And so if they're saying they use L'Oreal whatever, that L'Oreal can actually go through and scrub all the YouTube videos and get pings for everybody who's mentioning L'Oreal in their makeup reviews. They can then view those and then they can contact those YouTube users to then essentially license that footage, um, those YouTube videos. So I, I think that speaks exactly to to what you're talking about because it's where an influencer is is basically hired to hawk something. What's a hawk? I think it's hired to it's hawk something. To um, I think it's part of a ham. Yes. 
Um, From this is this is people who are already creating content without like the compensation is after the fact, and like you've done your review without necessarily knowing that you're gonna get compensated for it. It's that you make it, you put it out there, the brand finds it, then the brand, if the brand likes it, they reach out to you and say, hey, I'd like to license this from you. And then you get to negotiate with the brand um, as the creator of content. But that is definitely a way to kind of keep it authentic where, you know, it's not even hashtag ad, you know, where you're, where you're, where you're trying to make it seem not like an ad because it wasn't an ad in the first place. You just ended up saying something nice and got paid for it later. I wonder... Uh, how long it will be until like Google has video reviews of like a restaurant where people can just with the webcam leave a review of the restaurant. They could, you know, if they're any good at editing or whatever, they could insert media and actually like put together something. I just, I feel like that's because there's a lot more authenticity and like, instead of hiding behind uh, John S. I, that to me was kind of the the biggest like I wonder how many people would actually utilize that if they can't hide behind the anonymity of it yeah but uh, uh, well, but, also- but on the other side I mean you could be there in the restaurant you know with your phone saying you know pointing at your plate saying this is what the picture is on the menu this is what came out mm-hmm. do not come to this place or I mean there is a there is a legitimacy and an authenticity to that, but then, yeah, it probably would be offset by people not being able to hide behind mm-hmm. usernames and avatars. I think that they do have on, um, well, like on Amazon and I think on Yelp, they have like um, tiers, like st- like a, you can hit a status as a reviewer, yep. right? Where they've kind of done a verification process and you've left enough reviews where some kind of moderator has looked at them and said, these are authentic. You're not just trying to sync people's star ratings, et cetera. Um, and so maybe that's a way where they like roll it out to the people who they've already confirmed as like their top reviewers. Mm-hmm. Um, and to they set can a standard. Leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Well, what if they did it on Uber? Like while you're in your ride? Mm-hmm. Or right after your ride, drunk off your ass, <laughs> record a video message about how great your driver was. That could be fun. <laughs> it's like okay. drunk history. Yes, yes, <clears throat> yeah. And and for for some of the the reviewers, it, it they would be seeing it for the first time uh, when they watch it. You know, three weeks <laughs> later or whatever. All okay. Right. So the continued rise of user generated content. It's uh, clearly here in bold, so that's David's first bold prediction. Justin, what's what's your first bold prediction? I'm saving my really bold one for for the last one, but um, asynchronous video will become more commonplace as a business tool. Not, I mean, it's already being used by you know, I don't want to say advanced, but like early adopters for sales and that kind of thing, but. Um, but I think in terms of like customer service, we'll be using it a lot more. I think it'll be used as a management tool. Um, so many platforms like Drift and Vidyard and um, Wistia and all, they have all like they're, they're, more and more of these video companies are, are enabling people to leave asynchronous messages. Uh, and I think that it, it's such a easy way to get a message across in a very honest and like forthcoming way using your video and your webcam. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think asynchronous will just become a part of daily life. I, um, I agree. Before we jump into discussion about it, um, for some new listeners, can you give a quick definition of asynchronous? Video? Yeah, sure. As opposed to like a video chat in the morning, like we, we have our video call to kick things off in the day kind of hit on some, you know, to-dos or whatever. Um, so that would be like a live, everyone's included on that call. Asynchronous would be Ben e- um, emailing this or, or in Slack or wherever you may end up putting it, um, a, a video message of just him and each of us can watch it on our own time um, at our leisure. Uh, and you'll, depending on the platform, you're more than likely to get some some statistics as to who watched it, how much. Um, so there's some good feedback there too. Yeah. I, I think, um, 
I've used it twice in for internal comms this year, like three months apart. And um, it's, to me, it's so much better than, so, so as an introvert, I, like a lot of people, I, I like to like kind of rigorously plan out what I want to communicate in response to a client or to an internal team, or if I had to, you know, reprimand an employee or something like that. Um, there's, there's so much benefit for a lot of people to be able to kind of like write out an email because you can edit it and you mm-hmm. can, you can kind of, you know, tamp down your emotion and then mm-hmm. you can like not send Play it and it read back. it back later. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, and I felt a lot of that with, with the two uses internally for asynchronous video I've done with our team this year. One was I was really upset about something that was, that was half us, half the client. Um, and I knew that I wouldn't be as emotional about it the next morning when we had time to talk about it. So I kind of, you know, harnessed my frustration just to make the point that we need to address this particular situation. But knowing me after I slept on it, if, you know, if I waited till after the morning meeting or whatever, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. But like, it was important to identify in the moment, hey, this happened. We need to address this. We need to figure out on our side what to do. And so it gave me an opportunity, one, to, 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 keep that like in the moment, but also give me a couple takes, mm-hmm. right? So it wasn't like I demanded that everybody hop on a video chat right then. And I just kind of lashed out at everyone. I was able to organize my thoughts, mm-hmm. channel that frustration in kind of a positive, like I'll get everybody's attention with the fact that I'm, you know, showing some emotion here, but, but really make sure that I say what I want to say. Um, and in both of the times that I've used it, I, I find it, so much easier to formulate those thoughts when I'm like being recorded by a webcam, having to verbalize it than even if I was like sitting there <clears throat> writing it out in an email and being able to see someone's face, being able to see to, to express the nonverbals uh, as a manager is so much more powerful than just like writing a message mm-hmm. or, or whatever. So I, I think, I think you're dead on, specifically from a management thing. I I think asynchronous video, especially for sales teams uh, and remote sales teams, it's going to be easier because it can start a conversation, right? Like as a sales manager, I can say to an individual salesperson of mine, hey, um, wanted to follow up on the so-and-so deal. How can I help you? You know, where are we with what? Like, like that stuff you could put in an email, but if it's if there's a video message there, it just it just kind of like elicits a certain response that feels more like personal and mm-hmm. yeah, and and intimate is a weird word, but like it feels like a real conversation as opposed to and think about it with so much email, you kind of put your own emotions on what you think the person wrote. Yeah. Also, so you impart your own tone on someone else's words in an email, mm-hmm. whereas. If you can see them saying even the same words, you get a better sense for their tone. Like you're saying, the nonverbal communication. You know, we talk about like um, how Grammarly, you know, works in Gmail now or in the past year has. And it'll give you that little emoji at the bottom and says, this email sounds stern or this sounds joyful or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just sidestep that and just actually ha- give you the like. You took off your glasses at one point in that video you were talking about, like rubbed your eyes, I think, and sort of it's like, oh, Ben's structuring it. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, but like, I get it. And um, and then the side benefit of that, let's say some more information comes in between the time you send it, and you're like, you know what, maybe everybody doesn't need to see this. You could technically take it down or replace it or whatever if you yeah. wanted to, versus yeah. an email that's like permanently sent, and you're like, ah, damn, I shouldn't have that. Good point. Uh, I found it to be yeah. really satisfying once I hit send. And I've said my thing. Like I didn't have to wait for people to, to yes. come and yeah. like join and be a part of it. It's like everybody here is do a roll call or whatever. Yeah. I I can say it and I can send it, and it's really it feels really good. Well, and 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 we've started using it, David. You've started using it really well in in versions of things where we're where we're seeking client feedback, right? So so yeah. you'll actually do an asynchronous video. Well, you you'll do a screen share of the storyboards or the video itself in frame IO with the notes and you'll kind of walk through each thing. So there's a written word 
on on the page, but then you're actually talking through what that means. And, you know, being able to send that to a client at the end of the day, let them watch it on their own time and then have a meeting scheduled for the next day to talk about it. They've got a better sense of, of what you did and, and what you addressed. And it just makes that whole client review process a lot easier, mm-hmm. too. Um, Justin, you've done it for, for a while on sending uh, contracts and proposals, mm-hmm. right? Where where you know that it's hard, especially when it's a proposal where somebody isn't committed to you as a client yet. And so they don't feel like they necessarily have to give you the time. Mm-hmm. They just look at the bottom them. line. <laughs> yeah. So you at least have your opportunity to say your piece. Yeah. Walk them through it. And they may, fa- you know, they may take the attachment and go to the, the price yeah. part. But then they can, but at least you don't have to see that, right? How annoying is that? We used to do it in person too. You'd put like the proposal across there and people just go to the last page Yeah. while you're like setting up your whole narrative for your pitch and they see, you know, $87,000 and, and then they stop listening. They stop listening. <laughs> um, but at least you, you got to, in an asynchronous video, at least you've shared mm-hmm. like the Giving them an opportunity. Yeah. If they have questions or whatever, they can at least go watch this four minute video. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Ben, be bold. All right. My control B for so, Ben. So, so here's how I, I set up mine. Um, a not bold prediction followed by then a qualifier that makes it a more bold prediction. Okay. Um, so I would say the beginning of my um, prediction for 2020 is that in-person events uh, rebound. But they evolve into a hybrid live in-person virtual uh, kind of event that has to cater to both live and virtual audiences. So we saw um, there is a huge market and, and has been for quite a long time, especially in the B2B space for um, whether it be having a, a table at a trade show or hosting your own user conference, um, that kind of thing. Events budgets were, were always huge. And where everybody seemed to scramble this year was when nobody could travel. What do you do? And so people kind of used Band-Aids and Zoom and Facebook Live um, to kind of piece together these opportunities to to get some of their users' prospects together, at least on the same virtual meeting. But they do not have the benefits that that these live events have. Given that we we will over the course of Q1 and Q2 see the vaccine start to roll out. I think the second half of the year is when we're going to see live, especially people who've traditionally done an annual event, start to have those live events again second half of the year. But I think we've reached a tipping point with virtual events where a lot of people are just going to choose not to travel. Mm -hmm. A lot of companies are probably going to um, tell their employees they can only attend an event if it's a virtual event because the companies don't want to pay for airfare and hotel sure. and all that kind of stuff. And so, and then of course there are going to be people who are going to be wary of traveling. Maybe there'll be coronavirus spikes in certain places around the world. And so people won't be able to travel to or from those areas. Um, and so what you'll have is you'll have this traditional live event that also has people viewing online. And those are two very different audiences. I mean, attrition is certainly a point for each of them because it's, I mean, if you think we've talked about it before, when we talk about events, you're flying someone out to a really cool location, right? You're deliberately making your event happen in a cool city, mm-hmm. but then you're almost shooting yourself in the foot because like, they why all wanna... would they want to sit around yeah. and listen to your presentations and your keynote and whatever, when they could go explore this amazing city. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> So, so you've got that attrition that you're still going to have to combat, but now you've got these, like, it's even easier for somebody to just, like, open another tab in a window. Mm-hmm. So keeping the attention of both the live audience and the virtual audience is going to be kind of a, a, an expanded problem. Um, historically, keeping people in the seats. This year, keeping people on the Zoom. Starting next year, you're going to have to deal with both. Mm-hmm. Um and you're going to have to set it up so that there's content for the people who are in the seats and there's content for people on Zoom, whether it's that like, you know, engaging content or a video presentation or whatever. It's got to work on the projector and it's got to work on the live stream. Mm-hmm. So those are going to be some some technical, but also some psychological challenges 
that I think we see by kind of getting back to the way events have been done, but now having to adopt this new virtual only aspect mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. I, um, funny, I was just talking about this with our mutual friend, Jonica, last night, um, not in a business uh, context, but for her wedding. She had a virtual streamed wedding on Facebook that family members who weren't able to attend in person could could watch and kind of respond to, you know, there's some interaction, interactivity happening there. But then, you know, 20 something people at the actual event, it would very much surprise me if this didn't become a popular thing to do at your wedding. Well, oh, well, now it's just kind of it'll become standard to just have a virtual setup at your wedding. Again, that's not in a business context, but you can imagine why not if you already have the infrastructure and the equipment in place to do it, you might as well, um, you know, set up that virtual option uh, and, and, you know, expand your audience, whether it's a wedding or a conference. Why am I all of a sudden anxious about like getting to the reception and finding my place card and it says Ben Oliver virtual table? And then I have to go sit at the table with like just other webcams. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I, I, mine's related. That was one of mine uh, about live events. Um, so I'll probably just kind of jump onto this one for a minute. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're going to become more sophisticated as well. To your point, keeping people's attention on the internet is really tough. Uh, and so I think the production value and the programming, if you will, is going to be a lot better as opposed to what happened this year, which was just, oh, shit, mm-hmm. let's put it on Facebook live. Um, I think people are going to put a lot of thought and energy into making what we're we're filming one. Well, I guess this will <clears throat> when you're hearing this, we, we will just have recently filmed one. Filmed one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I think the programming is great. You've got other you know, pre-recorded stuff that we're going to fold in. We've got live guests, multiple, you know, several people involved as mm-hmm. presenters. Um, and some of that is all, some of that is remote. Some of that is in studio. Um, so I think that the, the technology around live events um, online are, is going to increase as well. I think the ability to like, I, I don't know why a Mac can't be, the black magic ATEM. Right. You know, that could be your switcher. Why do we have to buy something? I, I mean, you could plug one of those dongles in and have four different inputs mm-hmm. and be switching everything. So I think the technology is going to catch up to that as well. Uh, and you're going to see a lot better produced events. Yeah. And I mean, you can imagine, um, I think we talked about this when we were discussing ways to sort of punch up virtual events and make them more engaging, uh, reduce attrition rates and that sort of thing. Um, and you can see how companies with the means to do so could get creative and, you know, you could sign up for a conference and pay a fee and have like a box shipped to your house that mm-hmm. has like swag and mm-hmm. like a cocktail kit things like that. And it's like after your celebrity, uh, B2B celebrity speaker, uh, gives an address or something, we're going to do a cocktail hour and everybody has their own little cocktail kits at house. And, you, and the mixologist shows you how to make it. And then you network like cocktail hour virtual. And then the next thing is like another piece, you know, like you could just find different creative ways to make these really interesting and fun um, without necessarily being in person. So we weren't supposed to drink uh, that. Yeah. Yet. No, Oh, don't drink no. it until cute until. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I forgive me if this exists and I'm just not aware of it, but, but imagine if, if zoom had a level or another platform that was going to specialize, uh, specialize in these kind of hybrid events, you know, what if, what if as a view, as a virtual viewer, you've got your own little square, your own little private chat option. And then it's got like, you know, your name, you know, the same thing that's on the, the, the mm-hmm. card on the lanyard then, when yeah. you're at the event, right? It says your name, your company and, and your job title mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, imagine if you had a mixologist doing a, you know, a happy hour like that, but then you've got like 150 attendees on the right side of your screen mm-hmm. and you could sort them by industry or you could target, you know, companies that your prospect, that your company is prospecting or whatever. And you could then chat like ping that person for a mm-hmm. one-on-one chat either by text or you hop into like a, a breakout room mm-hmm. kind of thing the two of you 
that I mean that would be pretty or close choose to go to, watch the product demo or the roadmap yes, session yeah. or whatever and jump to different rooms. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean that that's basically just a digital version of of walking through those mm-hmm. those conference halls, picking you know conference room A, B, or C, mm-hmm. or ballroom one, two, or three, um, or you know who do you want to approach when you're standing at the you know the coffee line with them mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, It'd certainly be a lot easier to find that CEO you're trying to sell to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, somebody listening has got to have the access to Holt, you do it. <laughs> Holt, Holt's on it. All right. Um, all right. Well, that's round one. Shall we hop into our sponsor ad? Sure. Should we hear from Placebo Ricks? Yep. Placebo Ricks. Feeling a little under the weather? Tested positive for COVID-19? Diagnosed with non-small cell adenocarcinoma? The makers of horny warthog male enhancement pills... Plan A male contraception pills, and Beta Brain are proud to announce their newest over the convenience store counter drug, Placebo-Rix. You can take Placebo-Rix for any condition, real or psychosomatic. Side effects include nothing because it's really just sugar pills and saline solution, but you'll still probably think it's working. Placebo-Rix, the perfect prescription for your hypochondriac ass. Please note, Placebo-Rix is not available by prescription. Placebo-Rix. Now I understand you're a, a heavy user of placebo rex. Yeah, I yeah, I I thought I might have overdosed a couple nights ago. What was that like? It's just a sugar high. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. All right. My heart started racing and yeah, but then you yeah. said more placebo rex because like, well, the placebo rex has got to fix yeah. this. Okay. All right. Um, now, David, I, I do want to thank you because you're the one who actually brought in the makers of Beta Brain originally to the podcast and and Off. yeah and and um i didn't hear what he said Off just said, yeah. that's the brand yeah the uh, drug makers yes, off yes. Yeah, drug manufacturer um so so yeah beta brain have now kind of trusted us with their second product launch here in placebo ricks they just went straight through stage three trial or uh, oh they skipped them okay <laughs> yeah there's not You're actually like, this any. This is so important. There's not a drug. No, 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 this. no. It's there's no drug in it, so they didn't even have to get FDA authorization. You're not supposed to say that. Oh, sorry. I thought it was in the name placebo ricks. Do you know that doctors actually will prescribe obacalp at in a hospital? Okay. To somebody, which is, is placebo, placebo backwards. backwards. Yeah, they're like, give me 25 cc's of obacalp, and then someone's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> They, they really yep. do that. No, that, now, I figured I figured there was a mechanism for that. I, in fact, I've been prescribed medications by a doctor where I've just wondered, mm-hmm. like, p- go pick up a refill, and I kind of want to ask the now. Don't Google this. Right, right. kind of want to ask the the pharmacist, like, is this just like a sugar pill? Uh-huh. Is this actually doing anything? Yeah. Now, if you hear this ad. Does that potentially influence the effect that placebo Rex has on you? It does both ways. Yes, either way. Okay, wow. Yeah. Pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. You, you, That's just part of copywriting, too. If you, basically, I, I think from what, the subtext here that I'm getting is that if, if you can be swayed to buy horny warthog male enhancement pills or the Plan A male contraception contraception pills, we can sell you placebo ricks. Right. Unless you're diabetic, in which case you are not allowed to take yeah, not recommended. <laughs> not recommended. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for uh, for buying another spot with us often. All right. David, bold prediction number two. I think we're going to start to see more ways to engage with content, um, easier ways to engage with content and just generally seeing it to become more interactive. Um, I'm thinking for our use case, like Vidyard actions, which we have incorporated in some videos, we're going to continue to do that more, um, but just more opportunities for people to actually take an action directly through video or content in some way, Um, whether that's like leave a review by simply clicking on the screen, subscribe by clicking on the screen or requesting a demo by clicking on the screen, right? It doesn't just have to be YouTube culture that's taking advantage of these um, 
inter- interactive engagement opportunities, um, more businesses can can do the same thing, um, but make it more specific to their to their needs and and to their uh, benefit. So in- interactivity um, in video players themselves. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then I guess maybe my bold prediction is that there could be a way where you can directly interact with like a, a programmatic ad that's fed to you while watching TV. Um, I feel like this technology probably already exists, but it's not really taken advantage of. Um, like, I don't see why when you're watching uh, an Amazon Prime show, why there wouldn't be some kind of segue into purchase this mm-hmm. on Amazon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon. Why not then say, if you like this show, you might also like these action figures or um, these books or uh, these DVDs or Blu-rays or whatever. I assume you, well, cause most, most people, at least everybody I know watches TV or shows on a, like an Apple TV, like streams, it's like on demand. Um, and that's basically a little computer and you have a remote control with a mouse pad on it. Why can't I after, or in the middle of an ad say, you know, go to like a browser and, and view, like see this product listing on Amazon or something. Mm. I'm just surprised that doesn't happen. Or send it to my phone. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of talk in, in the TV world about, you know, second device kind of stuff where you're streaming it on your Apple TV, but then you're sitting on your couch on your iPad or your iPhone, Mm -hmm. you know, scrolling through stuff while you're kind of halfway paying attention. If I got my phone in my hand and I'm watching something, why not give me an option to, and, and it doesn't even, I think it doesn't even have to be like an invasive option. Mm -hmm. So like, um, is it Amazon prime that has x-ray where you kind of swipe up on it and then it shows you like the music track that's being played, Mm -hmm. the actor, the director, things like that. They could easily, add some of that product placement stuff mm-hmm. in there from that screen where it's not going to pop up and like, in, you know, invade or interrupt yeah. the storytelling. Yeah. But if you're really intrigued by something, you can swipe up and then scroll over to, you know, that blender mm-hmm. that they just used to make smoothies mm-hmm. or whatever. And then you say, send it to my phone. And then the Amazon page lands on your phone. You swipe, swipe by now and it's on the way to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, that, that that hasn't happened already. Right. X-ray is exactly what I was thinking of. And I think about it all the time when I see that, like, why isn't Amazon integrating its own just e-commerce platform onto this? Because X-ray is essentially, I assume it's just pulling from IMDb, which Amazon bought yeah. a while back. So, right. So it's just pulling that IMDb info essentially and populating that why not just throw their e-commerce platform on there too? So I, it would be surprising if that doesn't come, you know, around the corner pretty soon. Yeah. Well, I love I, that idea. And, and from a, from a B2B standpoint or, or, or even <clears throat> B2C, but you know, video and business, you know, you're creating your own customer journeys through video. If you can, if you can, in fact, David, you may, I don't think you're aware of this, but Justin and I had a conversation with one of our clients in the last couple of weeks where um, they, they, in fact, view some of the videos that we're making for them and some of the ones that are upcoming to be in this this thing that they're revamping for their site where you basically go through and you pick your pain points and they recommend their core solution and the add-ons around it. And they want with each of those add-ons to be able to hover over it and see a video for that little add-on. But imagine if we could program the player to basically be like, all through those three three steps of the process, you you actually watch a video and then it gives you the option which one of these are you, right? Marketing, sales, customer success, or you know whatever, and then you select that and then it shows you the next video that is specifically for that audience that then gives you like your next three choices to choose from and you kind of work your way down that funnel and then at the end you put in your email address to get like your final recommendation. That's an MQL that already has a very specific, you know, product mix that a salesperson can then go talk to that person about. Mm -hmm. And you've guided them through it in an engaging way through video. Okay. Let's keep this thing moving along. Uh, Justin. Yes. Your second bold prediction or perhaps I've got, it's my, yeah. Yeah. Your third bold prediction, I suppose. I think Salesforce will buy Vidyard. Interesting. Two weeks ago, were you thinking Slack would buy Vidyard? No. 
No, but but them buying Slack is what makes me think they're trying to become a more integrated communication tool as opposed to just a CRM. Mm-hmm. They've already got like, you know, different chat features and stuff in there. Yeah. But this is just expanding upon that, and and like it just feels like it would work really well with their ecosystem. Not to mention, they're one of the, their Salesforce Ventures was one of the, um, they were a part of the Series A for Vidyard. Mm-hmm. So they're they're already invested in it. Yeah. Um, I like that. I think it's a bold prediction. I think it's totally possible. Maybe um, not video. Maybe they buy Wisty or like a, yeah. Because there's can, so many out there, and I feel like there's gonna there's so many hosting platforms or or video communication tools. It's gonna start to whittle down a little bit. Yeah, or or I could see like HubSpot buys mm, Vidyard. Yeah, yeah, right. Like they've got they already have because they've already got that that partnership mm-hmm. um, that exists. Um, but I, you know, money talks. So, you know, Salesforce may be in a better position. Uh, to, is crushing to, it right now, to too. Acquire. Okay. So. Um, but, yeah, I think I that makes me – so I was saving one of many things for kind of my bold predictions on, on how the um, – on how this conversation went. So I'm going to go ahead and, and use one of my possible third options here. Um, I think you're going to see a continued – I don't know how bold this is. You're going to see a continued contraction of the MarTech space. So for years, um, up until very recently, you go to the Internet Summit or you go to um, Dreamforce or any of those, and someone's presentation has that that list of all of the logos of MarTech products, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. In, in all of the silos. And they show this is what it looked like in 2010. And there were like 60 mm-hmm. logos on there. And, like, this is what it looks like in 2020. And there's, like, 6,524 mm-hmm. logos all crammed into one page. I think, to your point, now is where we start to see the acceleration of the consolidation of mm-hmm. all of those things. Because there's been so much opportunity that individual little specific niche Building niches. providers yeah. could go out there and gain audience and build technology – now, because it happens with every industry, let's be honest. Now you're going to see those players like HubSpot and Adobe, Adobe. and mm-hmm. Salesforce, uh, Marketo go in and start just swallowing up all of those yeah. specific niche players and just fold them into their offering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll probably end up with five, four or five, yeah, like completely robust enterprise level. Kind of placing bets in maybe different areas, essentially. Like some might be more communication, some might be more technology. Some may be more sales driven, some may yeah. be more marketing driven. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, throw Zendesk in there. I mean, you know, where's the? Mm-hmm. There's a whole customer support play uh, in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with all the subscription yeah, services and, out and there, all of that is within the B two B space, and, and and I just think because of. I think because of the economic conditions of 2020 and what will lag in through the first half of 2021, a lot of those smaller companies are going to be very easy buys because they're going to start running out of runway and these bigger companies can go in and make a really attractive offer Mm -hmm. where maybe in 2019, a smaller company could have gotten a billion dollars. They may only get $500 million in 2021 because they're desperate for acquisition or capital or whatever it is. But and you know some of them will fold it into their platform. Some of them will make it you know just more of a formal partnership uh, kind of thing with with discounts and integrations and access whatever. But um, yeah, I think that's a uh, I would put money on on a contraction. I, I like Adobe space. too. I think that's smart because they bought Marketo not like a year or two, yeah. ago, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, something like it's hard to keep. And track they've of. got they've got some really robust um, like data and like even like the whole i mean what they started with which is like media and creation but then using that in uh various platforms for marketing and, and sales. well yeah and, and and i could put you know adobe with marketo on the marketing silo <clears throat> i can see salesforce especially with the way vidyard has been going on the sales yeah. silo yeah. right i mean they kind of like 
they have these all-encompassing products, but but Adobe kind of came out of that that creative technology into that CRM. But it's it's still all marketing content automation mm-hmm. and things like that. So mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense for yeah. them to just really dig their heels into the marketing space and kind of touch on the sales space. Whereas, of course, it's in the name. Salesforce has always been very much there for salespeople mm-hmm. to, um, you know, to keep track of who they're talking to, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it in its early days. It was slow. Uh, it was required and it was a pain in the ass. But uh, but I get it. There was nothing like it mm-hmm. out there to keep track of, of all that stuff. So, so my turn? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to go with, um, post sale marketing, which is kind of the land and expand option, right? I think you're going to see that skyrocket because we've seen it skyrocketing this year because it's lower hanging fruit. Um, but my, my bold twist on it is that because it become because it's going to become more commonplace and more of a focus, it's actually marketing departments that are going to ultimately be held responsible for post-sale marketing. So, so I guess what I'm saying is marketing departments are going to see a shift in like front end of the focusing on the front end of the customer journey, turning in MQLs and SQLs to sales, but then also having to come in on the back end Mm -hmm. after sales and be responsible for continuing to market to those people Mm -hmm. after the sale, where if there are three steps, marketing, sales, and support or success, it's going to be like marketing, sales, marketing. And then support is going to be there to support, but marketing is going to be expected and required yep. to keep marketing to existing customers. A lot of companies are shifting to a product-led marketing uh, environment where they're spending a lot of their effort or putting a lot of their effort into the product itself to make it an enjoyable experience and keep people there, especially with like a 30-day free trial those, mm-hmm. those type, and then subscription services after that. Yeah. It's going to be so much more important for for marketing to be involved in that product because the 30 days is like you need to make it sticky as hell. Yeah. And you well, need to make the enjoy experience enjoyable. You and I were just talking about Crossbeam yesterday. Mm-hmm. How because I'm the parent, like account owner mm-hmm. on Crossbeam, I've been put into this email sequence. And like I got shipped a t-shirt and mm-hmm. like, you know, welcome card and whatever. And so even though you're the one who's going to be using it more day to day, just because I'm the one who signed up first mm-hmm. uh, under storyboardmedia.co, like I've gotten all of this outreach that you probably should have gotten because it's it's access to tutorials and how to find mm-hmm. partners and things like that that you could utilize more than I could. Um, but that's a simple fix for them. But yeah, I, I also saw, saw something somewhere that free trials are going to increase uh, in the tech space in the coming year. Um, and it makes those first 30, 60, 90 days of that free trial, you got to nail your onboarding. Mm-hmm. So as an executive, I could totally see shifting my customer success department from like maintaining accounts to just focus on getting them onboarded and hooked. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to let the marketing department take it after that. But like your job is this onboarding for the first 30, 60, 90 days. And that's all I need you to do. And you're going to be measured by how many people convert from free to paid, mm-hmm. basically. And then marketing is going to have to be involved in that because they're going to have to, you know, just make sure that, that that they get to that point. And yes. then they're going to have to continue to reach out to those people once they become paid customers to then up. Because every month there's another things. credit card. Yeah. Yeah. I would just add to that that um, as we discuss all the time, um, you know, with the landing and expanding uh, approach, your sales team is going to be the ones who are often delivering that content that the marketing team is initiating, right? Like they're going to be the ones directly communicating with the existing client, customer, checking in on them. Hey, how's it going? Is there, is there, are, you, are you getting the most out of this? Um, did you also know that we offer this feature set or that we have this product that does this, that I noticed, you know, I, I was doing some research and it looks like you guys could, could use this. So like, they're going to be the ones delivering, whether that's video content or whatever. Um, so just the communication between marketing and sales, as we talk about is increasingly, uh, overlapping sort of their roles are increasingly overlapping. 
I just felt a shiver go through a whole bunch of marketing department people's bodies <laughs> hearing that they're going to have to integrate with sales more. Um, okay, what do we have? David, do you have a third one that we haven't gotten to? I do. Um, my third one is kind of... Um, it's related to the change coming in Google's algorithm that they announced, um, which they, they announced as Google's core web vitals. Um, so it's, it's sort of nerdy and I don't totally understand it, but essentially the bottom line of it is, is that, um, Google's algorithm is going to be taking into account user experience on websites more. And specifically that pertains to like page load speeds and, Mm. um, the speed responsiveness and visual stability of a page. So what does that mean in terms of the way that companies are going to, you know, reprioritize, you know, prioritize what they're doing in terms of uh, the user experience on their sites. Means we need new hosting. Um, hmm? Means we need new hosting. <laughs> that's well, that's exactly right. And also like video hosting um, to, for what we're talking about, um, you might start to see companies shifting towards video hosting platforms that, you know, it, it, that push as one of their um, as one of their features or benefits that um, they can have video load on your page faster and cleaner. Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, I think I would totally uh, if, if I if I were considering this, I would totally pick a hosting provider that was advertising less 4K upload and hmm. and and embed ability and i'd be more interested in like their speed you know somebody's got to figure out how to standardize like a metric for like load speed mm-hmm. but you know like 0.13 seconds for 100 megabytes you know 100 megabyte stream or we've we've uh in we've changed our buffering technology so that it starts to play the first 12 seconds while we buffer the rest of it so like your video starts instantly mm-hmm. and we use that for like hosting platforms marketing themselves with those things as opposed to like 4k or like private embeds or whatever mm-hmm. I, I think you'd start to see some of that like that'll be a good indicator that that is a shift is when you start to see the hosting platforms kind of change to those kind of yeah. metrics that they're putting out there to circle back to your previous point about um, you know let's say Salesforce acquiring Vidyard Justin um, if I'm Salesforce, I might, and I'm looking to acquire a video hosting platform like that. Maybe that's a, something that I'm really focused on. How is the video hosting platform that I'm going to absorb? Uh, how is it going to improve the uh, SEO of the companies who are actually using it on their sites? Um, you know, that, that could just be because apparently that's going to be a pretty sig- seismic shift in terms of the way that Google's algorithm ranks ranks your site. Hmm. So this this one kind of reminds me of, of one of my um, possible third predictions. It's something I feel like I need to know more about. But literally what I w- wrote was the end of cookies dot dot dot. Um, so I've been paying just enough attention to know that like using cookies to track certain visitor data is going to be uh, basically unavailable by like next year or something like that. But was that, the, a, was that a Chrome-led thing? I think so. Chrome, like Safari. No, it's not a government thing. But like they're basically just saying like we're not going to be honoring cookies anymore. So I know enough about it to know that that's a thing, but I've also started to see some headlines and some articles talking about you know, the alternatives to that are actually going to be able to give us more personalized data. Like brownies? Uh, yes. Um, so essentially yeah. it's like you go from, yes, he, he got, he, you can laugh. It must be the delay. Yeah, that, that must be it. Um, so, so yeah, I, David, and, and I just feel like the core, just because it's Google Analytics type stuff, do you know any more about that <clears throat> cookies thing um, or brownies? Um, yeah, I, I read a little bit about blondies too, which mm. never been my favorite. You know, I feel like they're just kind of like kind of a weak compromise between the two. Like either have a cookie or have a brownie. Hmm. I, I don't know where blondie really comes into play. Where do so. you land on lemon bars? You know, it, 
I, I can I used to really hate lemon bars, but now as I get older, it's kind of like things like coffee and like wine. You know, I'm like, oh, I actually kind of get it now. When I was a kid, I hated lemon bars, but now I have a, a greater appreciation for them. You know, because they they really kind of balance out the the sweetness with a little bit of um, tart tart and sour. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of like that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, uh, does anybody have any other? Bold predictions for video and business for 2021. Should you? Well, I so I did my – I kind of did four. So I started to do the end of cookies thing. So maybe it's three and a half. But I did the uh, contraction of Mar- the Martex oh, Okay, so that was your kind third? Of a, 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 oh, you had a, three. I had two or three that – depending on how the conversation went. I have one more that's just kind of um, uh, uh, surface – level it doesn't really make a difference but i think you are going to see in terms of like um uh, a lot of companies are going to be doing a kind of like post-pandemic uh messaging uh that will get a lot of people uh making fun of companies on twitter and stuff like that um you know kind of now that we're on the other side Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to go from making fun of commercials that use the word unprecedented to commercials that use the word like new normal. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 A lot of that. Yeah. I think, I think there's a, (laughs) no, we'll leave it at that. That's good. No, that was a good point. Um, Okay. So why don't we hear from our sponsor again real quickly before we wrap up placebo ricks feeling a little under the weather tested positive for COVID-19 diagnosed with non-small cell adenocarcinoma. The makers of horny warthog male enhancement pills, Plan A male contraception pills, and Beta Brain are proud to announce their newest over the convenience store counter drug. Sorry, over the convenience store counter drug, Placebo Ricks. You can take Placebo Ricks for any condition, real or psychosomatic. Side effects include nothing because it's really just sugar pills and saline solution, but you'll probably think it's working. Placebo Ricks, the perfect prescription for your hypochondriac ass. Please note, Placebarix is not available by prescription. Placebarix. Ask your doctor. Ask your don't ask your doctor. Uh, Placebarix. Do not mention it to your doctor. All right. So we have had some um, bold predictions. We've had some italic predictions. We've had some underlined predictions. Uh, all for 2021. All interesting things to keep an eye on. I'd like to keep the theme. Uh, of coming back in another year and seeing uh, how spot on we were with some of these. My guess is we nailed some of these, like with with crazy yeah, all of them. specificity. Um, Should we hit them up one time, like like a one sentence kind of thing? Yeah, sure. All right. Um, so next year we only have to listen to like the last yes three, but we won't minutes. remember that. So I believe David, we started with with your continued rise of user generated content. Then we went to... Asynchronous adoption, uh, especially as a um, management tool. Uh, In-person events rebounding, but evolving into hybrid, live, in-person, virtual, catering to both audiences simultaneously. And becoming more sophisticated in terms of the technology and production value. And then, David, what was your second one? Uh, More ways to engage with content and easier, more interactive content. mm, Uh, mm -hmm. Custom events, actions, choose-your-own-adventures, things like that. Uh, Salesforce will buy Vidyard. Uh, a contraction of the MarTech space by acquisition, uh, which was my kind of glom onto that. Uh, post-sale marketing, land and expand, will skyrocket, but marketing departments will be held responsible. Your third. And um, the impact that uh, Google's shift to the core web vitals as a ranking metric will um, have on companies and the way that they prioritize their content uh, content and their hosting platforms, things like that. Um, Latching on to that was then the debate between cookies, brownies, blondies, and lemon bars. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a strong finish. Yeah. And then, and then David add added an even stronger finish after that, which was your final point of that uh, company. We're going to see a lot of messaging from companies about, um, as we adjust to the new new normal, the uh, post-pandemic 
uh, post new normal saccharine messaging you're gonna get. Yeah, post COVID new normal unprecedentedness. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, thank you very much, David, for uh, for joining us today. Justin, thank you for your contributions. Mm. Um, I would like to thank all of you for listening to and and watching and or watching the Video Reformation podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. And uh, that's about it from us. We'll see you next time. Who's David? David, who are you? (laughs) Hi, I'm David Olson. And now you're... All right, I want to... So so you've got about a second and a half delay. So I want you to anticipate. We're going to go through Ben Oliver, Justin Plant, and David Olson. But I want you to anticipate... So that you kind of offset the uh, the gap here. Ready? <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> well, thank you so much for joining us on the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. I'm David Olson. Thanks so much for joining us. It was pretty close. That was good. I like this. I like I like note cards. No, I, I did like that with the TBR show. Yeah. Yeah. That's strong. That was good. <laughs>